You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustine Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. My name is Dr. Ben Akers, and I'm the Executive Director of Formed. Joining me today is a special guest, Father Mateusz, who is a priest here in the Archdiocese of Denver and also a member of the Neocatechumenal Way. Father Mateusz is from Poland, and he's going to be a special guest because of his special devotion to the Polish saint that we're celebrating today, Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska. Her dates are 1905 to 1938. On the 100th anniversary of the birth of Pope Saint John Paul II, Pope Francis raised Saint Faustina to the, so she was already canonized saint, but raised her to be an optional memorial for the universal church. So before she was canonized in the year 2000. She's an incredible saint because she was the very first saint that was canonized in the year 2000 for the new millennium. She has a special connection to Pope St. John Paul II, and we're going to explore that today in our conversation. But I want to begin by asking my guest, Father Mateusz, uh, what his relation is to St. Faustina, and kind of tell us some biographical data and facts about her. Yeah, so St. Faustina, I really didn't know much about her as I grew up. It was not, uh, I've seen the image of Divine Mercy, but there was not like a special devotion on my part. My mom, on the other hand, she was constantly giving me her diary, trying uh, to help me to, to get to know her. And uh, I would always give it back to her, no thanks, no thanks, no <laughs> thanks. But before I was, I was ordained a year and a half ago. And uh, before the ordination, I, I had this urge in my heart, like I need to read her diary. And uh, so I did. And this, I discovered that I have a sister. I really see in her a sister, uh, which I see a, a huge, huge connection with, with her uh, devotion to, to divine mercy, obviously. And I see that this also mercy of God that is the most appealing attribute you know, of God to me in my own life. So you think that, so you're bes besides your mother's intercession <laughs> and, you're, and like a good mother kind of pushing the, the book Monica. on you over and over again, uh, St. Faustina chose you to read her book and it's, divine, it's the divine mercy that's in, that you find in the book that was most attractive to you? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and the thing about her is that she sees her misery and this is how I feel many times, you know, seeing my how inadequate I am for the mission to which God has called me, seeing my laziness, my pride, my selfishness. And what, what I discovered in Faustina is that, yeah, sure, it's important to see my misery, but more importantly is to see God's mercy that shines through, you know, that misery. So There's a, a, a popular saying in English where misery enjoys company. Where, so if you're in a bad mood, you're miserable, that you're going to make other people miserable around you, right? It's just the negativity is uh, contagious. But really, when I re read parts of her journal and her diary, what I saw was misery needs mercy. And it's our misery, our sinfulness, our negativity, our times of rejecting God, of being rebellious children of God, that that's when we're most in need of his mercy. And that, that's what mercy is, right, Father? What, what would you say uh, from drawing on this from her text or from uh, your theological studies? Uh, can you give us a def definition or a description of what mercy is? Mm -hmm. Maybe a description. Yeah. <laughs> so mercy is uh, an undeserved love from the Father 
for his child. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this is who God is. Right. This is what he showed us in his son, Jesus Christ. This is why he left us the church, that we may drink from this, you know, wellspring of, of, of God's life. Well, that, that would be another definition of, of mercy, that it's God's life in us. That's beautiful. I remember reading uh, St. John Chrysostom, and he's talking about why did God become man? Kind of a motive for the incarnation. Why would God become man? He says, there's no other reason except that God saw us abject sinners, saw us as the lost sheep, and came to save us. That was, it was a motive of mercy. That out of his mercy, he saw our fallenness, saw our weakness, saw that we were lost children, and wanted to come and save us. Yeah, and this is very much uh, what St. Faustina, how, how she sees herself, the only uh, adjective that she uses to describe herself is that she's miserable. Mm. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's constantly, you know, this, this, this theme of, of, of misery constantly appears in, in the diary, which is, which is very interesting because that's not something that, you know, how we tend to think about ourselves. But, but you know, it's just like St. Paul when he speaks in the letter to Corinthians that there is two kinds of sadness. There is the sadness that brings to despair and that's the action of the devil in our heart, which is, you know, you'll never change. It's useless. You'll always be the same. But then there is the sadness that brings to conversion, which is to see our sadness in the background of the mercy of God, in the background of, of his grace and how much he loves us as we are. And this is, you know, in the second meaning, how, how Faustina speaks of herself as, as misery. She says, Christ says, the bigger the misery, the more right it has to my mercy. Hmm. That's neat, because that, that is one of the things that when we read the lives of the saints, it can be difficult for us to say, well, they're canonized. They're a saint. They have ST period in front of their name. We, we, <laughs> we, they, had, they seem to just be born holy. Uh, they have these, these genes, you know, the holy genes that I don't have <laughs> in my life. I didn't get that. My mom got it. My grandmother got it, but I didn't get it in my life. Um, how would you tell someone who's sitting, in, so myself sitting in the chair, and for our uh, viewers at home, when they see St. Faustina, someone who's very clearly a disciple of Jesus Christ or striving to be a disciple of Christ, and they're saying, I'm miserable, I'm a sinner, how do we reconcile that with, uh, with the holiness of their life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. That's one of my favorite numbers in oh, her great. diary. That's number 606, when she says, My Jesus, despite your graces, I see and feel all my misery. I begin my day with a battle and end it with a battle. As soon as I conquer one obstacle, ten more appear to take its place. But I am not worried, because I know that this is the time of struggle, not peace. When the burden of the battle becomes too much for me, I throw myself like a child into the arms of the Heavenly Father, and I trust I will not perish. O oh, my Jesus, how prone I am to evil. And this forces me to be constantly vigilant. But I do not lose heart. I trust God's grace, which abounds in the worst misery. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, so it's, it's, this, it's this trust. It's this trust which, which is, uh, you know, that which opens heaven for us, you know, subjectively, uh, to trust in God's mercy, to, to look for Him. And this is how I see also why God allows temptation, struggle, is that we may run to Him, that we may discover Him as our Father. Like the book of Deuteronomy, you know, chapter 6, I afflicted you, 
I allow you to experience all these hardships that you may acknowledge in your heart, not in your head, you know, because that we all do in our head. We, we acknowledge God is our Father, but that you may acknowledge in your heart that God is your Father and that He trains you, chastises, not chastises, but disciplines. That's the word. Yeah. So the, mercy, so the, the struggles, the more aware we are of the struggles in our life, the are more opportunities to call on the mercy of the Lord. Absolutely. And to realize that we are children that need the merciful love of the Father. One of the things that, that re, you're saying that and, and that came to mind recently was um, the feast day of, of St. Faustina is October 5th. And the feast day that begins the month of October is St. Therese of Lisieux of the Child Jesus. Great saint, great doctor of the church. And in a what came to my mind when you were talking about that is St. Therese is known for her little child. She's the little child yeah. who trusts in the love of the Father and this, the, the, the little way, the elevator of mercy to, to heaven. Uh, and what surprised me was that St. Therese actually appeared to St. Faustina and uh, consoled her in one of her times of, of trouble, that she had uh, appeared to her and said, um, when Faustina was going through a tough time that uh, Therese appeared and says, and, and Faustina didn't know it was Therese till later, right? Is that, am I getting the story right? I don't remember. Okay, sure. But I bet you're right. So, so my understanding <laughs> of the story is that what, what happens is that, uh, is that Therese um, appears to Faustina for several days and Faustina's having a difficult time. She's uh, suffering an illness. I think it was mm -hmm. tuberculosis yes. that would end up taking her, uh, similar to St. Therese. And Therese appears and, and Faustina was, you know, am I going to be saved? Am I going to be a saint? And Therese says, yes, you will. And Faustina says with this boldness and confidence of a great child, you know, uh, saying, am I going to be raised to the saint, to the altars like you? And Therese says, yes. And it's this amazing thing that this Faustina, who is, is striving to be a disciple of Christ and, and giving her all, giving her mind, her heart, her soul, as Deuteronomy encourages us to do, to give it to the Lord, that she gives it to the Lord, she still recognizes her sinfulness, but realizes that that's a moment of mercy. That's a, every opportunity to, get, to call on the mercy of the Lord. Yeah, and this, this is amazing how the two of them, you know, are, are really on a very similar path. I'm amazed, for example, at, uh, at Faustina, that God entrusted to her this great mission. You know, he told her, begin a new congregation. Uh, tell the Pope to begin the Feast of Mercy. Uh, you know, promote the veneration of the, of the devotion to divine mercy. And none of it happened during her lifetime. Christ constantly kept encouraging her to do that, to, to pursue it, and yet, in a sense, did not allow it in his providence for it to happen during her lifetime. Even Sopochko, Michał Sopochko, blessed Michał Sopochko, her confessor, he died. Uh, while the devotion to divine mercy was considered heretical, you know, so it's and and yet today, you know, it's one of the you may say the the most popular devotions in in the Catholic Church. So I also find a lot of consolation in this that you know the Lord is the God is our, the Lord of history and He He leads it, you know, the way He sees it most fit. You know, even if it brings a lot of suffering, even if it brings a lot of frustration. But these, in the light of life of St. Faustina, are opportunities for, for growth in holiness, in receptivity of His grace and mercy and trust. You know. Right, and it's similar to, it's a very biblical theme of 
of like the, the and, and very natural theme too. Think of the, the sower. The sower goes out to sow and he sows in, in faith, in hope, in trust that what will happen will, ha- will, will happen, that the, the seed will find root, that the sun will come, the rain will fall, and that there'll be a great harvest. Uh, in a similar way, that God asks us and, and saints to do certain things that we might not see the fruit in our own lifetime, that somebody else might come and harvest. Paul talks about that, that, you know, I sow Apollos waters, or, yeah, and, and, but it's always the Lord that gives the growth. And sometimes the Lord causes growth through suffering. Yeah. St. Augustine has this beautiful image of God by desire for something and not achieving it completely. He's expanding our heart. Mm. And this is what I, what I see happens in the life of Faustina. God calls her to the mission that he, in a sense, doesn't provide for, for the fulfillment of it. And yet, through, you know, through, through his providence, he, he accomplishes it, which is, I think, a great lesson for all of us. I mean, you know, for me, as a priest, many times, you know, I have these doubts. How good is, you know, the preaching? How, if, you know, how efficaciously people are receiving the sacraments, which is a temptation from the devil. You know, that's not my, my part. As you said, uh, my, our task is to keep throwing the seed. You know, for parents, maybe whose children are not in the church, to keep praying for them. And it is God who truly accomplishes, you know, everything. What would be your, this, that's beautiful advice for us. Uh, what are some of the other things that you discovered in her diary that we can glean for today for our life of Christian discipleship? One of the biggest thing is, as a, as a confessor, <laughs> to be honest, Christ tells her, uh, you know, through her to, to the confessors, to focus on, the, on his grace that is at work in the life of the penitent. Not that much on, on the sin and, mm. you know, but to focus on the grace that has brought him to, or to brought me, you know, to, to the confessional, to, 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 to drink from this wellspring of his mercy. That's something that uh, I find it very, very enlightening, you know, so to speak. And also to truly to, to begin to see that everything comes from God and that everything contributes to the good of those who love God. And this is uh, something that, especially w- when, because Faustina speaks a lot about confession, and to see that God is, there, there was times where she would confess and she would not be understood by a priest. I think it happened to all of us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and yet Christ would assure her, he's like, no, no, I am, I am speaking to you through him. You know, so. That's beautiful. I w- remember in her text, uh, reading that she described, one of the ways that she describes the sacrament of confession as the tribunal of mercy. In a tribunal, you think, I'm going to go meet a judge. Mm-hmm. But we don't go and meet Christ in judgment as much as mercy uh, when we encounter him in, in the sacrament. Um, one of the ways that I like to describe the sacrament of confession uh, is to the image of CPR. Uh, so confession, penance, reconciliation. There's lots of different, <laughs> different ways that we describe, the, uh, names that we give to the sa- this wonderful sacrament of mercy. Confession, penance, reconciliation. But just if you've done, if you've know, been a lifeguard, if you've taken um, uh, first aid uh, certified, that when you do CPR, you're trying to bring a body that is dead and trying to help the heart beat and bring it back to life, to natural life. 
so much more in the sacrament of confession, penance, reconciliation is it a soul that could be dead if it's in the state of mortal sin and to bring that soul back to supernatural life, the, where the life of God is infused back into its soul. Absolutely. And Christ tells Faustina also that the highest fruit, I was trying to look for the number, I couldn't find it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I would like to back it up with the number from her diary, but I, I couldn't find it as I was driving here. But he says that the highest, the sweetest fruit that the human heart can produce is contrition, mm. you know, which obviously every fruit is a gift from God. Uh, so this resurrection that truly happens through the sacrament of, of, of penance, this contrition that is given to us, it's, it's truly something that I think St. Faustina, you know, teaches all of us. And unfortunately, you know, not, not everybody, you know, uses this sacrament because of objective fears, you know, maybe a bad experience or maybe there is a sin, a very strong sin that, that is holding, um, a shameful one that is holding somebody back from, from going to confession. But if, you know, maybe you're watching, I encourage you, do not be afraid. You're going, you're approaching a tribunal of mercy. Jesus Christ on the cross, he has given the judgment on us. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. We don't know what we are doing. And this is, you know, this is the heart of God. Well, Thomas Aquinas will talk about one of his questions that he has in his Summa Theologica is, why does Jesus still have the scars after he rises from the dead? Because he still doesn't have other bruises on his body, but he has the pierced side, he has the scars on his hands and his feet. And Thomas reflects and says, one of the main reasons why Jesus still has the scars, they're like trophies that he brings uh, to the Father, is to show us his mercy. There will always be reminders for us when we see the pierced hand and the pierced side that I did this for you. And you have access to my mercy uh, because of what I did on the cross. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the reading, actually, for Divine Mercy. <laughs> that's the gospel. It is for, for John 20, isn't yeah, it? Yes. Yeah, that's the gospel for Divine Mercy Sunday, where Christ presents. What strikes me there is that the wounds on the body of Christ, uh, while he's crucified, they speak of, of how horrible is our sin. You know, how that sin separates us from God, but also it killed God. My right. sin killed God. It speaks of our cruelty, you know, it speaks of how horrendous sin is. And yet after the resurrection, the same wounds, they speak of God's love. They mm. speak of, the, of Christ's victory over death, that his love, his forgiveness is more powerful than my sin, that is more powerful than death right? because he's risen, he has conquered death. And so I think this is what also, you know, divine mercy, uh, devotion can, can remind us. That's a, no, that's, a, that's a beautiful description of that. One of the, the temptations that we have today, is, and it's, it's from the devil, is that we, we, kind of, we need to steer the middle line, but we can think that our sins are not that serious. And we look at the cross, we realize, no, they really are that serious. That that's how the bloody death of Christ on the cross shows us how bad our sin really is. And so we can think that, well, my sin's not that bad. God's a loving God. He's going to forgive me. He's going to save me from the sins. I don't need to go to confession, right? So you kind of this, this error on the side of presumption. Mm -hmm. And then the other side that we can sometimes tend to is to despair, that my sin is too big for God to forgive. 
What would you say to someone who's watching that would be, first we'll talk about despair and then we'll move to presumption, but to someone who says that my sins are too big, that, no, no, this one, you don't know, Father, this one is deep, and this one I betrayed my family, this one I betrayed my wife, or, you know, these kind of deep sins that we might be ashamed, uh, ashamed to go and say to a priest. What would you say to someone who's watching uh, with regards to God's mercy for someone who might tend to despair? I would say Christ loves you. He has given his life for you. And there is nothing that can separate you from his love. And Christ tells Faustina, because Faustina struggles with it herself. And Christ says, actually, your mistrust in my mercy offends you more than your sins of which you are so ashamed. And Christ tells it to her. So, uh, yeah, I would encourage, look, look at the cross. And this is how much God loves you. This is how he waits for you with an open arms, with no judgments, no weapons, eh? but his, his arms, at, you know, nailed to the cross. He, he's given his life for you. So go to the fountain of mercy and you will, and you will find it. This is, this is what I will say to, to a person, which I myself has experienced this. All of us, we have a dark room in our heart where we have let, you know, we don't let anybody in. Because, because of the shame of the things we have done, of the things people have done to us. And this is where the devil lives. You know, that's his house. And that's where he keeps poking us and, and bringing us to despair. But if we let Christ in there through the sacrament of confession, then the miracle of, of holiness happens. There's a priest that uh, I'm friends with that said that when he goes to a house for a, a family's house for dinner, he'll knock or ring the doorbell, and then you'll hear at the door, you know, the, mo- the mother or the father screaming, you know, like, shut the doors, all the rooms that are dirty and cluttered, <laughs> and make sure father doesn't see that, right? They're not ready for the visit. And he uses that as an image of when Christ comes and knocks on our door to bring mercy, those are the doors we need to have open because that's the mess. That's the clutter. That's, the, that's where Jesus wants to be. He wants to step into the messiness and help bring order to that, to help bring mercy. Uh, that's what he did with the incarnation. He, you know, he, he came at a particular moment in human history to us, to a particular people, but also to us because he's God. And he stepped into the messiness of everyday life because he wants to bring healing and mercy to that. What would you say then to someone who um, maybe tends to presumption where, you know what, I don't, need to, I don't need the mercy of God. I'm good enough. I'm not a Hitler or, so, you know, they kind of use some historical figure that's known for their terrible acts and say, I'm not that kind of person. I actually don't need mercy in my life. Mm-hmm. I would invite the person to crack the door a little bit. <laughs> I said, but is there something that you have done that you're sorry for that uh, you would like God to help you, to forgive you, and to go and to confess it? And the grace of God will, will do the rest. Because if we open the door a little bit, the Lord comes in. And he transforms everything. So, you know, we, in a sense, everything, everything is grace. We are, we are just, our work is to say yes to it. So I would say in a small way, do the first step, you know. Maybe go and confess something small and then you'll see the hope. Because Christ says that the Holy Spirit, he will convince you of sin, judgment, and justice. Mm-hmm. It's a work of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our sins. It's not that, oh, yeah, I know it, I see it. No, right. it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to convince that it is true, I am a sinner. 
of judgment, that the judgment of God is mercy. And of justice is that I have no justice of my own, as the reading of the Office of Reading today of St. Paul to Philippians chapter 3 was saying. The only justice that I have is the justice of the cross of Jesus Christ, who died for me while I was the enemy of God. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Uh, what else for our viewers, if we haven't opened up the, the diary of St. Faustina? Because your, yours is a nice small version, but I've seen this a really thick nice, version. Small That's version. small Polish version. Yes, this is a Polish small <laughs> version. Uh, what do you say for, for viewers that are watching this? Um, what are some of the things that they could glean or keep in mind as they're, if they want to open and read the Divine, the Divine Mercy Diary? Yes, it, it is a difficult read. <laughs> good, no, that's good. That we, yeah, yeah it's good it to is know. difficult. To, if you want to sit down and just, you know, okay, let me read it from page one to the last page, uh, you may drop it mm -hmm. pretty soon. I don't know why, but just maybe because it's disjointed. There's sure. not really like a plot or something right. that you follow, but it's just different things Christ telling her. Plus also, ne most of it is a reconstruction because St. Faustina, she burned all her diaries. Oh, really? Yeah, when her confessor went to Rome, the devil appeared to her as an angel and he said, uh, I think you should burn it all. And so she did. And that was unfortunate. So she, then when Michal Sopochko, blessed Michal Sopochko, came back from Israel, from the Holy Land, he, he told her, no, no, rewrite everything. So what we have is actually her, you know, sure. second take on, on, on the diary. But what I would recommend definitely is to read her poetry. There is a lot of poems there. There is Litany to Divine Mercy, Litany to the Eucharist, which are beautiful, beautiful prayers. I can actually... Again, sure, please, yes. I, can, sure I come a little yes. bit prepared. Yeah. <laughs> So one of my favorite prayers of St. Faustina is number 957. And she says, The pure offering of my will will burn on the altar of love. That my sacrifice may be perfect, I unite myself closely with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. When great sufferings will cause my nature to tremble, and my physical and spiritual strength will diminish. Then will I hide myself deep in the open wound of the heart of Jesus, silent as a dove, without complaint. Let all my desires, even the holiest, noblest, and the most beautiful, take always the last place, and your holy will the very first. The least of your desires, O Lord, is more precious to me than heaven with all its treasures. I know very well that people will not understand me. This is why my sacrifice will be purer in your eyes. Hmm, that's beautiful. It reminds me of very Pauline in its uh, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, that she saw everything that she was asked to do the, um, the mistrust, the, the unbelieving kind of ex that she experienced in her life from others. From other nuns. From other nuns, <laughs> even within, her, within her, her own community, this, this misunderstanding, this distrust, that she put all her confidence in the Lord. And that's, that's one of the beautiful things that uh, Divine Mercy has revealed to us is the, if you've seen the Divine Mercy image of Jesus and he's got the ray of, of red and white coming out of him, out of his uh, pierced side, uh, you'll see at the bottom of these images, Jesus, I trust in you. 
Jesus, I trust in you. And it's such a beautiful prayer that I've been able you know, to, to teach my children that I say through it many times throughout the day. When you feel like you're, you're drowning, you're, you, you know, there, there's no way forward, and you don't have the time that you would like to devote to prayer and, and help me bite my tongue, help me to receive that insult or that calumny, um, that, that quick Jesus, I trust in you. It's that what she's describing of giving everything as a sacrifice to him, uniting it to his sacrifice um, on the cross to, his, to the Father in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And hiding, and mm-hmm. we can hide in yeah. the mercy of God, you know, right. as, a, as a dove without complaint, uh, in mm-hmm. silence. And what is also beautiful about this prayer, Jesus, I trust in you, is that it brings us back to the very ancient tradition of the prayer of heart. You know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner, right. which is the prayer basically of the name of Jesus. So Jesus, in, I trust in you, is, 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 the same, uh, is the same spirituality. When we say Jesus, you know, I trust in you, not in my strength, not in money, not in health, not in who will be the next president of, you know, any given country, but I trust in you. I know that you are the Lord of history. And also, you know, Jesus means Yahweh saves, you know. Uh, Yahweh, the one who is, saves. So God is saving me in my life through the problem with my children, through the difficulties in my marriage, through my seeing how inadequate I am to be a priest. This is God saving me. Hmm. So it really gives rest to our heart. It's like, well, my salvation, it's true, it's, it's up to me to accept it, but, but it's God who is leading my life. Yeah. And tr- like St. Teresa of Avila says, trust that you are exactly in the place that God wants you to be. I think this is what Faustina and Divine Mercy Devotion teaches us. Oh, thank you, Father. I'm very grateful to Father Mateusz as, as my guest today, a uh, man who grew up in Poland and has recently ordained within the last, just a year and a half ago, uh, and serving here in the Archdiocese of Denver. If Queen you'd like to peace. learn, what's Queen, uh, Queen of Peace Parish <laughs> in Aurora. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the Divine Mercy, we have a wonderful program on Formed with Father Michael Gately. It's called The Divine Mercy, The Second Greatest Story Ever Told. And it goes more into depth of the connection to John Paul II, the connection to St. Maximilian Kolbe, St. Faustina, St. Therese, Our Lady of Fatima, all these wonderful historical events that took place and are connected by the theme of mercy. Thank you for joining us, and God bless. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.